0: Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello. I'm Theo, Hello. <laughs> I'm Theo Black.
1: And I'm Sarah Black.
0: And it is now November. Um, the last podcast we did is only going up like this weekend because I had a very busy week, work of, week of work last week. <laughs> Lots of work. Too much work. Um, but we are now in November, which means we've started on our Marilyn Monroe quest adventure extravaganza Extravaganza. Uh, which means that um we've watched a few marilyn monroe movies we're going to talk about the asphalt jungle to start because it's Mm -hmm. i think it's her first role or it's not her first role but it's like
1: not her first role
0: not her first role but one of her more noteworthy roles i guess i'm not sure but we're going to talk about the asphalt jungle so we're going to spoil that we're also probably going to talk we might reference all about eve or like um, we also watched Don't Bother knock" or some of our other movies. So spoilers for the Asphalt Jungles and maybe spoilers for the others. We're also going to talk about those other movies later, but just we're we're doing the Asphalt Jungle to start, and, which okay, is silly, cool. which is extra silly because she's barely in this movie.
1: Yeah, I have a little I have my little memorial candle that has a imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring and who knows if she actually said that um this is a you know a karen Candle. yeah um who knows if she actually said that i'm very suspicious of quotes but yeah it's, battery dying but you know in memory of marilyn monroe there you go um um well, let's just talk a tiny bit because one of the things. So we both listened to Karina Longworth's thing. I don't think we're really going to cover like Marilyn Monroe's life story very much because that's just not our no, style. And, and to
0: be more specific, Karina Longworth has a podcast that some filmy people like us know about called "You Must Remember This." non filmy
1: people know about it too. You call me a snob, but like, hello.
0: Well, no, I I was just saying I don't know how well known it is. I.
1: As i a hear true two. crime people talk about it so
0: oh there you go uh but uh you must remember this and specifically one episode that was done originally but then later incorporated into a three episode part of the dead blonde series
1: right um, and um i don't know do you want to like so we're going to talk about the asphalt jungle um we did re-listen to those along longworth episodes that covered kind of this time the and- first
0: two so far we're going to get to the third one
1: uh, covered this earlier part of Marilyn Monroe's life and career. But I was kind of curious, because we we did this a little with the Romero stuff. What is your history, Theo, with Marilyn Monroe? Well,
0: I've always, you know, I, it's, I don't know when I first heard about Marilyn, but like growing up, Madonna was kind of a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: I guess she was what, 90? Like for me, I feel like she was in 90s. Um, she was
1: in, She started in the 80s. She was 80s, 90s.
0: Yeah, and she's not, she wasn't as popular in the 2000s, and these days she's unfortunately become kind of a joke, which I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I only really hear hear her in reference to, from people on the internet, kind of, not as, like, a joke as in, like, she's in a bad way, but just, like, she's still kind of famous, but people more reference her to make a joke about something.
1: Yeah. Like, so I it's, like, which is weird. This but, is all about Madonna, not Marilyn Monroe, but, yeah. The, but um, the, point,
0: the point of this is that Madonna like had an aesthetic that came from Marilyn Monroe. And so at some point, I think in the nineties, when I was under 10, single digits, I sort of learned who Madonna was and I sort of figured out who Monroe was because of that. And so since then, and I, you know, I, she, it's, I live in LA, so stuff just pops up about Marilyn Monroe because she was, she was, she might have been the most famous actress of the 1900s. I don't know. I'm not sure how we quantify,
1: but she was
0: definitely really famous in her era. Yeah. And so I kind of just knew her about, like, in that way. And I, I I didn't, I hadn't really watched a lot of stuff with her in it. And then really my, I, I, you know, she gets mentioned in other movies by, you know, as in passing references or, like, stylistically, again, Madonna and other people reference her. So that's really all I knew about her until I listened to You Must Remember This. And, mm, yeah. you know, I, a little while ago, we watched a couple of Monroe movies, but... Eh.
1: Yeah, had you That's watched any it. of her before we watched those together?
0: Not that I can, I mean, all about Eve, which, you know, she so I mean, she kind of steals the scenes she's in, but yeah. she's, not, she's not really in the movie much. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't,
0: I think so. I mean, we should make
1: a pilgrimage to her gravesite. Uh, it's a, it's an odd time, but there probably aren't a lot of people there right now. So hey, not, I think uh, she's buried in like the Westwood Cemetery or oh, something.
0: Oh, you have, like you have not the usual cat right now. <laughs>
1: no, it's a different cat.
0: It's a different. Hi, Chip. It's Chip. Hi, Chip. It's the sexy cat. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, he's, he's here for Maryland.
0: Yeah, there you go. I mean, hey, that. I mean, this is, this should be <laughs> Chip's month. Yeah um he just want he's a laugh cat right now maybe
1: it's a little cold anyway anyway um. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> anyways that's
1: really what I knew
0: about Marilyn I mean and so so to, to, to sum it down I knew she was really famous at one time I, re- I remember reading an article probably in my teens just something that floated around maybe on MySpace or maybe something I saw online somewhere that was basically like this restaurant changed the name of its Marilyn Monroe sandwich to something else. Cause no one knew who she was anymore.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And so, which is, you know, one of those things where it's like, the kids don't really know, but as you get older, you may be So yeah. I, don't know, that's, I mean, that's my brief knowledge. Come in and out
1: of, yeah. Um, what about you? You know, it's funny. I think the Madonna, um, Madonna um, reference is pretty good. I weirdly enough, I was thinking about Pamela Anderson because she is, she was, growing up, I watched Baywatch, which, you know, is not a good show, and there was a lot of, like, Pamela Anderson, she's so dumb, you know, like... Yeah. And she was, you know, not not a bottle blonde the way Madonna or Marilyn Monroe or any of them were, but, you know... Right. And I, I don't actually know how smart Pamela Anderson is, and I, I don't think her career is comparable to the Marilyn Monroe's in any way, shape, or form, but there was I, that that feeling of like why do we put these women down that way like i kind of noticed that chip yeah. does not want my marilyn monroe memorial <laughs> <candle> <laughs> to be around. um and i didn't I, she just was kind of in the zeitgeist as they say um just you know and yeah i kind of struggled with like You know, am I supposed to dislike her because she's really stupid? And at some point I realized, like, no, she was a really smart person. And I watched.
0: I had heard a little bit. I had, you know, heard the sort of uh, theory that she like was really into sex. And, you know, she was kind of a dumb blonde and she wasn't a very good actress, which now that I've learned more about her, I think is just. Old, and I mean, it's probably not all old white men being stupid, but it's just, yeah. that's, that's where my brain went with it. In well, these I was definitely days.
1: uncomfortable with that kind of a notion as a kid. Like the, the over sexualized human being made me uncomfortable. It, man or woman, probably more so with women, but they're, you know, like I've never really been that into rock stars because they have a very hypersexualized persona. Yeah. And it, it's not my thing. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, I think I saw gentlemen prefer blondes, or I saw one of those like in college, and but I haven't seen all her stuff. But I was always just like she, like Rita Hayworth, t- to me is just magnetic. There's something about her that like just captures my attention, and so I've always liked her for that reason. Yeah, um, and her story's tragic, and tied into other tragic stories obviously in weird ways like
0: well and uh, JFK no not JFK which president yeah. is it oh yeah JFK yeah,
1: JFK oh, yeah. but like probably not really but just you know the way everything kind of gets tied up um yeah. or grouped together oddly um but yeah
0: interesting yeah no, I know I you it sounds like you knew a little bit more about her than I did prior to you must remember this cuz you must remember this is really where I learned everything I yeah. knew about Marilyn because it was she was a big blind spot in my filmography until
1: yeah I definitely had yeah I mean I, I have weird blind you know I, the era of Marilyn Monroe I'm not that sh- well I'm probably more strong on that than it's hard to say at this point anyway yeah. let's get on to the asphalt jungle well um, yeah
0: so oh well so here's a little lead up the first episode of the you must remember this is actually a lot about how Marilyn got to be in Hollywood and at the end of that episode, I believe, or maybe at the beginning of the second episode, it talks about how there were two movies and that she was had bit parts in, Asphalt Jungle and All About Eve that were noteworthy. But the thing that probably propelled her to, f- to fame was actually these nude photos she took. Right. And like how she spun that, you know, mm-hmm. her career along with how she spun that to sort of make her image more well-known and to sort of be the girl next door and to... we feel that weird dichotomy that women have to yeah where they're like both both virginal and and chaste and naive and sexual and and free at Mm -hmm. the same time you know yeah and
1: i kind of want to talk about that a little in rep in reference to what we watched Um, so yeah
0: i I just wanted to put that in there and there's there's some other stuff in that episode i just i'm just i'm just pushing karina longworth's show because it's great there's stuff in that episode about her tragic childhood and not tragic, but just some of the tra- hardships she well, had. she has and-
1: this interesting background, like just really quickly, you know, fatherless child. I don't think she ever knew who her father was, yeah. raised in this, in, in Hollywood and and in love with Hollywood, you know, by by women who worked in Hollywood in and, very, and um
0: early editing work with her mom yeah not
1: not 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 star level not powerful positions um and really wanted to be a movie star like and that's an interesting story because you compare that to something like rita hayworth who really didn't want it you know and and it's interesting she has and that's where like i feel like i got a weird you know because we view people in the past differently depending on where we are in the present and i feel like with madonna with pamela anderson there was a real sleazy view of of women at that time like the 80s 90s it was like yeah. and that that kind of overlaid with marilyn monroe in my mind where i kind of associated her with all of that like kind of gross over sexualized um
0: yeah, I was thinking of what was, which is that Boonwell with the two actresses in it? Um, oh. Shoot. Tristana? Maybe Tristana. I forget which one it is. You can look it up. But really Monroe, to me, the way it seems like she was viewed, you know, by biographers and the these biographers that Karina with talked about and just how women are often viewed, you know. But again, mm-hmm. both chaste right. and both, uh, uh, you know, free in bed and all that Mm -hmm. it's it's and it's not from a perspective of a woman who may or may not want to be either of those things it was viewed from the perspective of a man who wants her to be the both of those things at the same time
1: right totally but the interesting thing to me watching these movies and thinking about that and also having just um thinking about what karina longworth said you know marilyn monroe did seek certain men to try and help her career because that was what you had to do at the time. Yeah. But it wasn't like, like there's this very, there's this attitude, like the women had power in those positions. Like, and it was really, you know, yes, you had a better chance of getting somewhere if you s- slept with one of these men probably, but there was no guarantees. <laughs> like, no, it's, it, I was really, I can... it was really, it was really kind of, and, and to see
0: like Monroe, I think died just before women might have started, might have had some, like she's just a little too late. Like there's this period in the thirties and twenties where you have like Dorothy Arzner and some other women and, you know, maybe working in Halloween, Hollywood, Hollywood with some power, but not <laughs> yeah. like a lot of power, but some power, like at Guy Blaché, who's even earlier, like there's, that's the start of it. And then mm-hmm. I think like late thirties, forties, fifties, there's not. I mean, I need to do more research, but there's not a ton of women with power unless you're, yeah. like, a, I mean, that as an actress, she had...
1: in time, too. Like, we we like to think that, like, progress is steady, but it really seems, it goes up and well, down. Well, yeah, because I'm
0: also, because in the 60s, like, there's, what is it, um, Lucille Ball? Is she the one who had the TV station? Yeah, that she's, in, she's
1: um, Desi, Desi Lu. Yeah, Desi Lu, which... And, where Star Trek started.
0: So, like, and there were actresses who had power, and certainly Marilyn Monroe did, but, like you it's still like you have to marry the right person for like a year and then take some of their money and then find a better person and it's this weird like (laughs) we always make fun of or we always think about how aristocracy did this at a certain like you married off your daughter to get a certain kind of power but this is what women were doing not even a hundred years ago like
1: yeah well because even
0: now probably
1: yeah uh the boonwell you were thinking of is um that obscure object of desire.
0: That obscure object of desire. Yeah, I really like that one. That's an
1: interesting one. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that, and then watching, probably more. Don't bother to knock, which we will get to. But thinking, reflecting on Asphalt Jungle, she doesn't. I guess the sleaziness that I I viewed it through, and like I think we were thinking of these kind of women in the eighties and nineties is like they give it, they, they, they trade sex for power. But the truth is it's not, it's, that's not really how it works. And watching-
0: It's an oversimplification.
1: Thinking of Asphalt Jungle, like she is not the femme fatale. She is not, she's, and, and thinking of <laughs> a lot of her fatale. roles, ex, and even we'll get to some, I won't name names, but there's something inherently sympathetic about her to me which is interesting. Like, she doesn't she come off as evil. She doesn't come off as malicious. She doesn't... She, like she's, We'll get to the gold digger type movies, um, but even, you know, she's basically a kept woman in Asphalt Jungle, and she just seems like a sweet, clueless, dumb blonde, you know, yeah. but there's nothing... I, I want to say avaricious. I think that might be the word I'm looking for.
0: <laughs> Google.
1: But she doesn't have that, like, um yeah avaricious like having or showing an extreme greed or wealth like like clearly she's she's do, in asphalt jungle she's she's with this kind of gross older man um i mean he's he's not that gross he's just an older he's like he's 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 infantilizing her and he's yeah. much older than her and it's not yeah not like a not like a relationship meeting of minds, meeting of hearts kind of a relationship. Yeah. But she just seems like a there's it, she doesn't come off she doesn't come off as having the power in the relationship.
0: No. Well, and we should since this is ultimately also a review. I mean, we're talking a lot about Marilyn because that's what this month is about. But to right. cover the movie slightly, as here's what the movie is about. A right. a I guess he's a German man or a German American. I'm not exactly sure. Germ germ guy gets released from prison. We're getting
1: in the weeds already here. Oh no let
0: me let me try again. (laughs) So this guy gets released from prison and he immediately goes to this guy who has connection as seems to be a bookie to start uh, to set up a heist Mm -hmm. and from there it's more or less a noir heist from the 50s. Yeah. You gather the team you do the heist, things fall apart, and we that's talk the movie. Talking in
1: rooms endlessly, endlessly, talking in rooms endlessly, and our two women character does not pass the Bechdel test, and our two women characters. I think, are... it,
0: I think it gets it gets it gets one out of three of the Bechtel test. I don't think I mean, two women even speak to each other in the movie. I'm no, not sure. definitely
1: not. I mean, we have Doll and we have Marilyn, right? And there's the wife.
0: There's the wife. I mean,
1: that is what we've got here, though, like the wife.
0: There's that girl who dances in, in the in the, name the sh- diner later. Yes, well, not the wife, but the the wife is just the wife. You're right. Yes, right. The, the, our, our Dix's girl is Doll, yeah. and Dix Dix who seems to talk past Doll through most for most of the movie. They have some brief conversations where they're talking to each other, but mostly it's just Dix pat- talking past her.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that Doll, for the record, is not the Marilyn.
0: I I don't, it's funny because it's it's kind of good that we're talking about Marilyn because I don't actually have a ton to say about the movie itself. If you like, if you like noirs, if you like heist movies, this is a perfectly fun little movie. It's, it's not,
1: (laughs) it's, it's not though, but okay.
0: (laughs) It's, it's, I get that you don't like it, but it's a perfectly fun, nice little movie. It's, it's problematic in all the ways that you might think. And it's even worse. Like, the, it's even worse about women than a, a lot of movies. And it's even shows its age than other movies. But it kind of, it's... Yeah. I thought that, I thought the machinations of giving everybody together, Dix's, Dix's, not exactly a character arc, but like the psychology that we give him is kind of, you know, it's not unique, but I still enjoyed it. The heist itself was interesting. And then how everything falls apart worked for me. It doesn't really break any molds, but I felt like it hit all the points well enough. So it's kinda it's kind of a standard noir heist that is enjoyable. I can't really recommend it to people who aren't like this again, this is for film people. This is, you know, I don't think just the random person's gonna enjoy this for any reason. Yeah. So like I, I enjoyed it. It, you know
1: It put me in it was mind a fun little mom- movie to me i put me in the mind of maltese falcon where it's like everybody's been talking about this movie forever and i finally watch it and it's just people talking in rooms for a long time and my brain started actively rejecting it so if you're sarah you're not. like obviously i don't hate it i don't think it's stupid i don't have any huge i just i'm not that into noir films and not that into heist films and then it doesn't
0: yeah it doesn't have anything that that like
1: yeah doll Doll was just talked over the entire time. And then Marilyn Monroe's character, who's apparently Angela Finley, um, didn't have much to do in it, honestly. No, I think I, she did what she could with what she was given. I think she, it felt like she was there to be salacious, honestly, like just- Yeah, and,
0: and uh, it's weird- To kind of like,
1: show what a bad guy that, you know- This is a John
0: Huston movie. And I think John, isn't John Huston the one who did the Maltese Falcon? Or is that a Howard Hawks? I think Maltese Falcon is John Huston
1: and this feels
0: look look it up and this feels lesser than the maltese falcon to me because there's more interesting politics in play in the maltese falcon i
1: just i just hate john houston well that's that's the thing john houston
0: (laughs) and and that's actually a point i'm about to make is john houston is like a man's man like both in when because he's come up in episodes in you must remember this and yeah he just he's a man's man and i find it interesting because a part of why I find the Asphalt Jungle interesting is it's it's all this toxic masculinity and like there is something there about like how it's this guy, Dix, trying to get back to his childhood almost and like how he really just likes horses because they were his the thing from his childhood. So there's something more to Houston than just a man's man. But like the Asphalt Jungle barely goes there. The Maltese Falcon has more interesting politics just as a comparison like, for like another Houston movie. And Houston- I do like-
1: Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which I think doesn't really have any women in it at all.
0: Um, no, but that's different because that's, that's like, here's, here's, you like, it's by omission, right? You were saying I like it. There's no women in that movie to be upset about. Exactly. There's no, yeah. So it's like, they're not even
1: there. And, like, and also that's a, basically a horror film on some level. And that's why.
0: <laughs> well, and, and I don't, I won't spoil anything, but John Huston shows up as uh, one of the characters in uh, Chinatown. Yeah. Um, and, honestly from if you're watching that movie i'm like that may have just been john houston <laughs> he may have just been that guy i don't know hard,
1: hard to know Hard to tell. But, so uh, yeah um it's funny because now i mean we're talking all i mean there's not much to say about marilyn okay so here's what i want to say about marilyn monroe in it though and this kind of goes over the all about eve from what i understood from the episodes of you must remember this like people want to say like oh john houston and um i forget who the director of all about eve is but like they just saw who she was and plucked her and put it in it and that's not it like she just happened to be cast in those roles and people liked her in them and also the nude photos but it makes me think of the story of gary cooper and wasn't he in wings yeah and he was in wings for like a minute this you know and and everybody like wrote in like who is this guy like we and it's funny i i kind of like i've definitely felt that way about tv shows or movies where you have a a side character and like you're just like i who's that like you know and and being a kid oh thankfully the internet came around by the time i was in my late teens then you'd go like Try and find what other things they've been in, and you'd hunt yeah. them down. And it makes me think of like, is that kind of what happened? You know, because she, when she's on the screen, it, I would actually I agree that all about Eve, her she's stronger performance. She's she's got something to say. Like I mean,
0: we have barely even gotten into the fact that like in this movie she has nothing to say in Asphalt Jungle, and I don't think she does very well in it. And I think it's John Houston's fault. <laughs> yeah. Like well, at least that's I my guess. Remember
1: her lines because when she appeared, I was like, Oh, and I paid attention for a few minutes because no one was ranting about a cult at his girlfriend who was like, You know, I had a hard childhood, and he's like, I don't care, you stupid woman. Would you please leave? This <laughs> like, is no, you're you're he,
0: reading you're no. you're reading so much into this, you're adding all this stuff underneath. No, like he
1: comes <laughs> with his shot friend and kicks her out of the room. Like, did that or did that not happen? yes
0: but he's it's not like it's not like oh you're a stupid woman i fucking hate you it's more just like this is like again she's she's more of an accessory this is like ignorance like he just he isn't comes thinking to about her
1: it. for help and then tells her to shut up and go away
0: oh yeah he does, does do that, that Yeah, actually yeah,
1: right. happened in that movie
0: <laughs> this is true this is true
1: so then when marilyn monroe is asking her her much older gross guy if you know, he wants salted mackerel for breakfast. And then later she calls like a thought, no, a cop, a Mr. Banana Head or something like that. I paid attention.
0: <laughs> Jill, Jill, my my girlfriend, Jill started calling me a banana head for like that evening because, you know, why not?
1: <laughs> I know
0: it. And again,
1: he I, a, he and she's Marilyn Monroe though it makes me the other thing it made me think of I'm just going off is uh, Judy Holiday. and it's like she she's Marilyn Monroe, she she acts she totally acts but she's also just got a certain what? I guess it's a persona kind of to her but I mean that makes it sound like I'm saying she doesn't act and meanwhile it's like Tom Hanks you know he's he's all he's almost always the good guy he's almost always you know but he's well, he's, he's
0: jimmy's he are, he's our, our generation's jimmy stewart or whatever Right,
1: and for some reason when you know when women do it it's you know it's it's lesser than the fact that men all have personas too but it's it and that's kind yeah. of what i was going to with um she has this 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 yeah it's the innocent sexuality Kind of. Yeah,
0: one. And so my thing, because like I before, you know, I I the only thing I had for reference as far as like 1950 uh, Marilyn Monroe was all about Eve because those both came out in the same year. And uh, she's she just acts. She, it's just completely different. in gentlemen for blonde, um, which is the other one I've seen, I think, and how to marry a million the, that those like she's just she's already she, those are years later and she's got more of a presence. But mm-hmm. she's just not good in the asphalt jungle. She has nothing, she doesn't have much to deliver. She really is just sort of virginal innocence yeah, in, a, yeah. in a, in a, in a, you know, with some blonde hair. And it's like, she, yeah. she doesn't act very good in it. But again, I mean, it just felt like John Huston was like, are there women in the scene? Oh, okay, they're fine, whatever. Yeah. More concerned about Sterling Hayden and Dix and like
1: yeah. that
0: than anything else. And so it's, it's that thing where it's like, it really feels like having watched this in All About Eve. I mean, which we're going to talk about in a second. It's like it really is the the photos. Like the, the yeah. not not. I mean, the nude nude scandal really made her popular, but she was also already, you know, she's been in a few parts and people like the way she looks and and she's and then she's in all these magazines just from photos and stuff. And so it's like really she's getting famous off of literally the way she looks. You know, she well, just
1: yeah. more but more more say... than being
0: a presence. Like she isn't like, I don't know. You know, and she well, who would be. You know, she isn't some young ingenue actor who's shown up in a film and given this great performance that nobody can turn their eyes from.
1: Right. She's become
0: popular because of how she looks and her presence.
1: I think photos, yeah, I, I think her presence still has something because I well, agree yeah, she, I just I mean
0: her, her, her presence in a photo, not more than her presence in he a film Jungle,
1: She just doesn't have that much to do. She her lines are largely not that interesting. She's acting yeah. against the sky and, and there's not much to their relationship. But there's still something about her that catches your attention. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, it's more like for in case, in the case of the asphalt jungle, I can understand how people would feel that way, but watching the asphalt jungle, if she wasn't Marilyn Monroe, I don't know that I would remember that part. Yeah. Like, she's pretty. I mean, but like. It's, it's hard to I, say. Yeah. Like I don't, I have a different thing than people. I don't like Marilyn Monroe is beautiful, but like, I, I don't, she's not any more or less beautiful than a number of other people. Like I, I, in later movies, she has a presence that I think is really something, but like in asphalt jungle, I just, it didn't really work for me, but, but again, it's interesting to see her in that role, you know, just show up there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think all we've got for early Monroe. This has turned into the, asphalt jungle view in early monroe and we talked mostly about early monroe because there just isn't a lot to the asphalt jungle
1: it's not it's i mean not. if you again
0: if you like heist movies if you like noirs from this era like this is kind of your thing there's it some reminds me of i them. mean
1: there's some male character acting a guy who's a dead ringer for john waters kept distracting me like it, you know it's not yeah. that there's nothing in this and sterling hayden is
0: dicks i think does an interesting job yeah. I, I, th- I think his character is genuinely interesting not not Mm -hmm. not unique it's it's fairly it's not too much deeper than skin level but there's something there and and it it's i think i I was reading on wikipedia that it was it is one of these films they've thrown into the library of congress for being Mm -hmm. significant and it's like i kind of get why that is like i'm glad i watched it it's not one i'm going to personally go back to watch that often even though yeah. i like noirs i mean i'm sure you won't
1: <laughs> no so, I, I mean i'll listen to people explain what they get from it and yeah I mean, and there's there's some I'd other actors who hear, show up but... in
0: this sam jaffe he's interesting like there's and the guy who plays um i think it's yeah a lewis callahern no who is it? No, wait, wait, Mark Lawrence, who plays cobby or Kobe or whatever. Like he's kind of an interesting character. Like he it's not a, again, not a unique role. And also for people who like heist, it, it's kind of like Rafifi comes from these kind of movies. And Rafifis are really the more I think about it, the more I kind of appreciate what Rafifi was. It mm-hmm. is like the best version of like this generation of heist movies, is kind of what Rafifi is to me. So anyways, that's what okay. I got for this.
1: So, do you want to briefly talk about All About Eve, which we kind of talked about before?
0: Yeah, let's do a slightly more, you know, this is more for YouTube than the podcast, but, um, you know, look at the time codes if you want to skip this for the podcast, but for or not, because maybe we'll say something new and interesting here. All About Why Eve, so I'm
1: so worried about spoiling these Marilyn Monroe films in a way that you weren't for the George Romero. They're older, no one cares.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a head case. Okay, so again, we're spoiling All About Eve and probably some of the other, like Asphalt Jungle and Don't Bother to Knock, maybe, who knows, other Monroe stuff, but so yeah. All About Eve is 1950 and it comes out towards the end of the year. So after the Asphalt Jungle, for what it's worth, I don't know when they were shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> probably, you know, in that order. But All About Eve is about, um, is, is not about, what's, oh shoot, now I need to change to the actual page for All About Eve so I can remember the character names. It is about Eve. Um,
1: Margot and- Channing and Eve.
0: Margot Channing. And so Margot Channing is played by um, Betty Davis, and she is a renowned theater star, aging, not quite in her prime anymore. And Eve, who's played by Ann Baxter, shows up and is like, I'm really infatuated with you. And Margot Channing thinks she's kind of cute or whatever. And so takes her kind of under her wing and sort of gets to know her. And then Eve sort of wheezes, and it sort of becomes clear that Eve is, star crazy and trying to weasel her way into right. you know, stardom and that's kind of what the movie is and it's a
1: great re- movie
0: it's a great movie at least i think it's a great movie it's great
1: dialogue great dialogue I mean, it's, buckle it's your just, seat belts it's gonna be a rocky ride it's gonna be some kind of a ride it's gonna be anyway.
0: a bumpy everybody buckle your seat belts it's gonna be a bumpy ride betty davis yes. is so good
1: yeah she's uh, really good in this she's, this she's is great. like this this is one of the ones that doesn't pass the the reverse special test. Like, I don't think there are two men in it that talk together about something that's not the women.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Well, so uh, so th- this is notably for some people maybe. So this is Joseph Mankiewicz, who I think is kind of famous for being a director who didn't make a ton of films, but he like his kids went on to be kind of famous in the Hollywood era. And like, he's, it's a dynasty. Um, isn't there a
1: movie about him coming out no I'm mixing him up with someone else
0: I don't know but he made two movies in a row I think it might be all about Eve and then whatever he made the year before that that like he won best director and best writer or something so like he's got a Mm -hmm. couple of credits like that to his name and nowadays I think his most famous offspring might be Ben Mankiewicz who's the guy who shows up on the Young Turks I think and also Turner Classic Movies like he's one of their main like guys mm-hmm. and he knows like he has all like he is actually friends with one of with the uh breakfast all day podcast like he's kind of there on un- a he's their fourth member he just mm-hmm. never shows up to talk to them about things um mm-hmm. like about movies it's like very rare and like occasionally he'll like he watched chappakit chappakit Kit Chapa chappakit Chappake- Chappake- i forget the name of it but it's about the girl who died who was the aide to one of the um kennedy's i think anyways and he like his family knew that family and they were friends mm-hmm. so it was interesting to hear his take on it anyways but the reason ben is like that is because joseph Mankiewicz, who directed all about eves was from this era so it was kind it's kind of a it was a prestige movie that today people really like it way passes the bechdel test even though a lot of the time the women are talking to each other about men but it way passes the bechdel test and it's i I really they're like talking it.
1: to each other about women a lot of the time. It's all about Eve.
0: <laughs> yeah, but when they're talking to Eve, they're also talking about like the director husband and like Eve is trying to get yeah. him. So there's like, but it, but it's not it's not as icky as it is. Like usually it's like.
1: You're making Women. it sound like like it doesn't pass the Bechdel co- test with like flying colors.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'm, I'm 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 not my language isn't very good here. It's more yeah. just interesting because it really is about these relations between these different people in the theater world. But this isn't. Yeah. We're not really here to talk about the movie, other than to say that it's great. You should watch it if right.
1: you don't like and it. That's fine. And Marilyn I, Monroe appears in it for six minutes, seven minutes.
0: I only got three and... minutes in my YouTube, but. Eh.
1: She she shows up with Addison DeWitt. Yeah. Um who who's is that actor
0: who's also in Rebecca, which I don't know why. George Sanders.
1: Yeah. Um and she I think he's grooming her kind of to be a star. He's, and he's a she critic, kind of, right? Yeah, but he's he's somehow involved in her career because he likes Yeah, off. he's
0: trying to get her to like make friends with these people.
1: Yeah, and she's she kind of steals her scenes and helps, again, like versus we were just talking about Asphalt Jungle. Her dialogue is much better. She's playing. So again. much better.
0: And she really turns a good phrase. Like she's.
1: Yeah. The, the bit about like, you know, why do these men just all look like rabbits? You know, like,
0: yeah, they all look um, like rabbits. What was well, the Well, and it
1: helps that she's with George Sanders and he's got such a particular persona in this that they kind of play off each other really well in both scenes. Cause in, in both scenes, it's her and him, you know, and, and in, in Asphalt Jungle, it was her and, you know, some guy. And, and there wasn't, there was, she was wasn't a lot like, of chemistry.
0: She's yeah, kind
1: of just there. So where, whereas here, like, you, you, you in these few minutes get this real sense of like these, this kind of, he's, he's definitely grooming her. He's definitely like part of what's going on, but, but she knows, she kind of knows what the deal is too. And he's yeah, which, definitely looking down on her, um, but also kind of impressed like he's picked her for a reason at the same time.
0: It, it, honestly, it, it almost sounds, you know, the way that Karina Longworth talks about, Marilyn Monroe's early years and how she sort of took charge of her own career and kind of played the dumb part occasionally and manipulated the men to get what she wanted, the, you know the, the bit part she plays in all about Eve might not be so far from how Marilyn might have been. Yeah. You know, just in how she had to she deal with a, things. Yeah, you know, what she,
1: the, the part she played in her even in her personal life. She was a very smart person. So Well, yeah, that's,
0: that's she she it seems like she might have played dumb occasionally to people to like get what she wanted. But yeah. like And I think the role in All About Eve makes her seem a little dumb, probably just because that's how it was written. But like Marilyn, I don't think was, other than that, again, she might have played that part occasionally. And it feels a little bit in All About Eve, like she's making, she makes this, what was this? She makes a comment about something, you know, says, oh, waiter. Well, I can't say, oh, butler or whatever.
1: She can't say, oh, butler, because there might be men named Butler. Yeah. And and Addison DeWitt, the character is just like, that's. That's the smartest, stupid thing I've ever heard. Right. And, so it's and, that- and that's kind of it that's but that's it. She's not saying something that's outright like dumb. It's like it's like a well thought out stupid thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, and so there's there's an aspect to her character like tr- there's a level of cleverness to her character that I think comes both from the writing and from how she plays it. Like yeah. she has this breathless way of talking, you know, that's kind of makes her kind of childish that, you know, seems to persist through all her career. Not that I've seen her later movies, but like that's how she talked huh? either originally or intentionally. I don't know if that was a voice she was putting on, but it kind of, again, it works as this sort of young starlet and this, again, this innocence that she's portraying and it, it works for the role. And, and the dialogue yeah. really helps make it her seem, the, the dialogue really helps that character feel fleshed out in a way, even though she's only on the, in the movie for a couple minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah it's interesting because we were talking about how earlier we you know that that i picked up from her her personal stories is that she she really wanted this career and she's depicted as this sex goddess but she picked her career over men you know she picked her career over joe dimaggio she picked her career over well other yeah. men and and she you know she she would be with men to further her career for sure but she was still thoughtful about it yeah
0: Um, well and this so it's
1: interesting to see that character on screen where it is a woman who's just like she's with addison dewitt i'm not sure there's a sexual it's hard to tell what's going it's three minutes of screen time or whatever but like she's just like this is the job this is what she's doing
0: It, it reminds me of cover girl that movie that mostly makes me sad
1: yeah, um, which is Rita about Rita Hayworth, Gene Kelly movie,
0: right? Which where you know it's kind of about how Rita Hayworth gets this opportunity to be a big star, but you know it's Gene Kelly.
1: Gene but... Kelly won't have her have a career.
0: Yeah, and it's like Marilyn. Like a lot of, I mean, CoverGirl feels like the fake movie version of like mm-hmm. how in real life a lot of these stars were just dropping the men that they were with, mm-hmm. you know, like not all of them, but just like a lot of the really famous ones to get famous, like would drop whoever they were with kind of to, if they wouldn't let it happen. And Monroe just she Joe DiMaggio kind of worked for a minute and then it didn't. So she dropped him, you know, not... I don't
1: know that Joe DiMaggio ever worked for her, but it was interesting, like their conflict seemed to be over her career. And she. Yeah.
0: She and she her she chose her career. So I, in a way, it's like I or like to see... think
1: of like um, Grace Kelly, you know, who married and, you know, and, and I think Rita Hayworth wanted to, to marry be married instead of have a career i mean it's not there are plenty of hollywood women that that picked their career over men but it's just it's interesting with marilyn monroe's kind of sex but it's not a sex goddess like sex doll like you know submissive yeah persona doesn't actually jive with with what was really it's, a, it's a that career it's that woman. thing and then and yeah, all about Eve almost seems like maybe that's closer to what. Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
0: and like I think it again that comes from some sort of prescient. I'm not sure some knowledge from the Mankiewicz, who are who I'm pretty sure wrote this as well. Like he was in Hollywood, you know, his brother I think Herman Mankiewicz like worked with Howard Hughes on some stuff. I forget exactly, but like he knew Hollywood and he like knew yeah. these were these were the women. Right. Like, and Mankiewicz's women characters are a little more interesting. Than some other women characters, not in all of his movies, but and like mm-hmm. so that helps. But then Marilyn really knows how to play it too. So yeah, it's 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 a nice little part she's she, got. She plays
1: there. dumb very smartly.
0: Yes. <laughs> Show. And we, that's all I have that's to all, say yeah, that's, about a
1: three-minute uh, screen time. Yeah, but Maybe go six. watch.
0: Everybody should go watch All About Eve. It's a good movie.
1: It's a great movie.
0: Uh, So let's talk about the surprise movie for me, Don't Bother to Knock.
1: Right. I'd seen this about a year or two ago because Karina Longworth talks about it on You Must Remember This as being kind of an overlooked movie of Marilyn Monroe's. I get to summarize it this time. Um,
0: I did okay once I, I did. I was bad that one time and then I did better the other two times.
1: I mean, essentially it's about, and again, spoilers for any movie we're talking about that involved Marilyn Monroe or zombies or anything like that. Um, <laughs> basically, Marilyn Monroe plays um, Nell, who yeah. is a young woman who's, um, I think it's her fiance died in the war and she
0: we don't learn that till later. But yeah.
1: We don't learn that till later, but she ends up babysitting someone in a hotel, babysitting a young kid in a hotel. And unfortunately kind of having a mental breakdown. Um,
0: She's the niece of the elevator operator.
1: Yeah. And this comes with flirtations with a man who is across, kind of across the way, who she starts mistaking for her dead fiance. It becomes
0: and, evident in those scenes that she's mentally unhinged, un- unstable, unstable. Yeah, she's unstable. got
1: mental illness issues. Um, yeah. And that's that's it. Um, it's interesting to me. So it all takes place in a hotel, mostly in one hotel room. Um, a very young Anne Bancroft plays... Um,
0: I read somewhere this was her first role yeah, for Anne Bancroft. plays
1: like the hotel lounge singer... Who yeah. is not a torch singer, but like a country western singer for some reason? And um, I really liked the way they could pump the stuff from the lounge. There was some kind of intercom system in the hotel room so you could listen to Anne Bancroft singing down in the. A, a neat
0: little bit of uh, historical knowledge we picked up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you immediately saw it as a noir, which isn't wrong, but I immediately saw it as like Grand Hotel because i really like the space that was created by having that intercom so you'd have people you know up above listening elisha cook jr i forget his name he he played the elevator guy who was also marilyn monroe slash nell's uncle who's the one who got her the babysitting gig and you know the elevator kind of connected everything we saw reoccurring characters a woman with a dalmatian um this couple old couple who lives down who doesn't live who are staying down below who who's kind of see what's going on but they think they're seeing kind of nasty sex things they shouldn't be seeing by which I mean like a young man and a young woman in a room together because this is that era Um, (laughs) and there's the parents of the girl and so there's this kind of I like stuff like that where you have a whole cast of, of people who who, who wouldn't be interacting if they weren't all in this hotel together.
0: Specifically to this point. So I want, I want to say two things. One, because I've seen more noirs than you, because I watch the Colombian noirs in this. And I also just like noirs more than you do. Uh, this is a, a piece of noir history. They, there are just noirs that take place in hotels mm-hmm. or in a single room.
1: Mm-hmm. This is a thing
0: they happen. It's not unique to the genre, even though right. it really works in the case of this movie.
1: Yeah. So
0: that's one piece that's kind of interesting. But another thing is right after the movie, I made this this joke to you uh, because I, I was a little bored with the one room we get to see mostly in uh, a Don't Bother to Knock, because there's one room and we get pieces of other rooms yeah. a little bit. But that in Asphalt Jungle, there was at least like 10 or so, 15 different rooms that we went between. <laughs> and that was about, I mean, that's probably one of the only things, maybe the mm-hmm. only thing I'll give Asphalt Jungle over Don't Bother to Knock. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is actually really why the movie feels bigger than one room yeah you it's like these different like in Asphalt Jungle it's the same five guys yeah different configurations in 10 or 15 different rooms Mm
1: -hmm. in
0: Don't Bother to Knock it's one room with Marilyn Monroe in it but then the uncle comes in and leaves the jed comes in and you know is there for a little while right. the parents are downstairs and they're sort of connected to everything but they don't know what's going right. on so there's this, this this level of tension building by having all these different pieces and we're not right. entirely sure how they're all going to meet
1: right totally um and uh the other thing i want to say before i really would i uh, ready to get into Marilyn's performance is that it's almost I mean, I think it is a B movie, basically. It, it, to me, that appeals to me more than a John Huston film, apparently. But like we had the guy who ends up being Thurston Howell the third on Gilligan's Island is a character, James Elisha James Cook Packers. Jr. who's been in a million thing. Um
0: jim backus who was also in it's a mad 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 world which we watched semi-recently he's right. the pilot he's the drunken pilot who doesn't fly the plane
1: willis boucher who um i recognize from being in no name on the bullet which is a b western so it's right. all these like I, I you know you want to call them like working actors like because because yeah. they're not marilyn monroes and marilyn monroe isn't marilyn monroe at this point either and anne ba- bancroft isn't an anne bancroft yet at this point so it's not like you don't have any stars in this movie. Even yeah. though Marilyn Monroe would go on to be one and Bancroft would go on to be one. I don't know the guy who plays Jed who is um
0: Richard Widmark. He might he, oddly enough be the one who's least well known and has the least most.
1: He's familiar though. I don't know. I don't know how famous he was at the time or
0: He's like looking he doesn't at his credits. I've
1: greatest... a ton of uh, movies before and they're not really ones I recognize. So
0: no, but he's, he's been, he's been in movies like Judgment at Nuremberg, 1961. And like the record, he's,
1: he's the one that plays um, the man that gets, she mistakes for her uh, dead fiance. So, um, right. so, you know, we've talked a lot about B movies. I always like, I like this for not being the Grand Hotel. I like this for not having.
0: Right. And a we, we gotta...
1: cast for not having duchesses and rich people for just being about some poor girl who who's just having probably has mental health issues to begin with and then her 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 fiance dies tragically and you know her her uncle you know it's like the richest people in it are probably the parents of the uh
0: the girl that girl, she's watching or
1: maybe the older couple but like you know
0: well, and, and, you know, we've talked about this right after we watched it, as we often do. We start getting into these, you know, half hour long yeah. debates. And then Jill is like, what are you guys doing? No, I made you right stop last night
1: because I was exhausted and I spilled milk all over my keyboard and just wanted to go to bed.
0: <laughs> yes, that was hilarious. Um, unfortunate, but hilarious. Well, and you pointed out, you know, we both like B-movies, but you definitely appreciate them more than I do. Like... A really good B movie to me is better than almost anything. But below that, there's a lot of movies that can be, I don't necessarily appreciate the way that you do. And so, but like, I think you're right that like, and I'm stealing this out of Sarah's mouth. So everybody give credit to Sarah and not me. uh, (laughs) When I say that, like, they tend to be able to do things bigger budget movies can't. That's one of the ways they get people interested is by going off the beaten path. Yeah. I mean, that's, Oh, that explains, you know, a lot of horror movies from the sixties, seventies and eighties, even I think, you know, something. Stuart
1: Gordon's entire career basically.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so like there's, and I think there's really a, a, and like sometimes they're not well done and that can be annoying and there's all, and you know, a B movie can still just be bad. And sometimes like a B movie turns into a bad, good movie, who knows? But like, in the case of don't bother to knock it's an interesting kind of story that i'm getting a sense that people had more of a clue about the psychology of people than we give them credit for pre-2000s because like now there's a lot of interest in mental health that right. i feel like really has been like i don't feel it existed when i was a, even a teenager necessarily you know 15 20 years ago when i was a really you know, when i was a preteen and a teenager but like there was knowledge of this. It just felt like it was more of a fringe thing. Like this is somebody with a mental health issue that is really interesting. It's not, she's not a villain,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not, you know, there's a lot of humanity to her character.
1: Well, and that's what I thought was really interesting because I was thinking about that when you, they cast Marilyn Monroe in, in the part of what could be a salacious horror film with yeah. a super sexy, crazy lady, right? you know, who might kill this kid and you know, that, I mean, certainly there have been those films of just like, you know, I, I mean, I even briefly flashed on the, um, um, indecent, no, the it's the, um, Michael Douglas Glenn Close film where she's his mistress and like gets revenge on him. You know, there's like, Oh,
0: true romance or something. Or? No, no, that's
1: completely wrong. Um, oh,
0: excellent. Good. I'm glad I was so wrong. <laughs> I have no true, I, true lies. No, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Um, fatal Attraction is what there I'm we thinking of. <laughs> but you know there there are these like you know I like crazy women movies, which I know is is not the politically correct way to say it, but you know I'm not a big fan of like fatal it Fatal Attraction. It's it's um, but this one is done with such. You know Marilyn Monroe. You just—it's hard not to feel for her, even when she's doing really off-putting things. And it was interesting how, from almost the beginning, she was off-putting. And you know, you're watching Marilyn Monroe, who who almost doesn't fit in this because she is so pretty. Um, and they—she's not she's not platinum blonde. She's definitely like her hair is, is got darker shades in it, and it's very short.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, it's not like uh buzz cut or something but it's it's pretty short um yeah and there's something but then so you want to just think that the weirdness is seeing like a young marilyn monroe in this part but she's actually just being shifty eyed and not quite meeting people's eyes and then you know just there's just something off And she's beautiful. And there's something interesting about taking such a beautiful person and having them be be just having a a mental break.
0: Well, we make the joke, you know, they're the beautiful people in the movie. So, of course, they're going to fall in love. Right. We make that joke about all these things we watch. And like, (laughs) this is really a movie that's like, no, the beautiful person has a problem. Yeah. You know, and that's that's something that's noteworthy and uh, but there's
1: like a motivation for her problem but yeah. she also does things that are like really like she bashes her uncle over the head she ties the little girl up like yeah. she there's nothing cute about no about like there's nothing like cutesy marilyn monroe about what she's doing and you know maybe the way it's shot and shown it's still like sympathetic towards her and why she's doing that and and her character is a catalyst for the male character's growth, which is, you know, what it is, at least the women. It's interesting because the-, the um,
0: It doesn't her- feel, that doesn't feel as icky as it often does. It is still a right. part of that problematic trope, but it doesn't feel- But it's interesting
1: like- because his, the reason he needs to grow is because his girlfriend dumped him very decisively the the Anne Bancroft character whose name I can't pull up fast enough to say and he needs to grow to get her back and it's she she's unrelenting and like no I don't want to be with you and I don't want to be with you for this reason and I don't think you're a good person kind of is what she says and so in a weird way the Nell character and Marilyn Monroe character is a catalyst for the man's growth so that he can prove himself worthy to another woman yeah it's <laughs> kind of an interesting it
0: it's a, after it's...
1: the asphalt jungle man I was just happy happy to be <laughs>
0: it,
1: it's, happy it's... to see a man need to prove himself to a woman for her it, to it has to, to agree to take him back you know
0: it, it has some there's some tropes in there but it's not yeah. It's not icky in the way that a lot of these movies are. It, it still has problems, but it, in, yeah. in terms of like maybe how we think of it, you know, that kind of behavior and stuff, but it doesn't and like how the story is told, but it it doesn't because he, he like she isn't like pushing him to be a better person. It's more like Marilyn Monroe's character is on her own trajectory and she's not right. doing it for him. Right. He just happens to learn it. Yeah, yeah which is why it feels right. less, ich- which is why I think it feels less. Yeah. Icky. And, no, then, he- and then it is all in the service of like being a better person and proving to this woman who has decisively shut him down, as you yeah. say that he is worthy. And that also helps it feel less icky because it's not like, and it's not like Anne Bancroft is like, Oh my God, you've changed so much. She's like, she's happy about it, but like, she's, she's happy because he he's done this good thing. Right. Feels more earned and genuine than it do- right. often does.
1: Right. Um, Totally. And, and again, I guess I just want to make sure we cover ma- her acting in it, but I mean, I, I was about to
0: yeah. go for it. Like, so I, I, again, because I knew less about her until re- listening to you must remember this a few years ago. And even, you know, this month is really where I'm going to learn all this, but I remember thinking she was great and all about Eve, but otherwise mostly knowing, hearing that she wasn't a great actress. And that's just, Watching this, I can say with confidence that is bullshit. Like yeah. I was I was dislike she was so good that I was actually disliking the movie. And then I was thinking about it and I'm like, why am I disliking this movie? Because Marilyn Monroe is icky because the character is icky. No, she's just doing too good at this. She's just doing she
1: made you uncomfortable. She made me you so were watching uncomfortable. Someone who was is...
0: unstable. You know, she's you know, Well, she's, it makes they're... me even think
1: of like David and Lisa, where you yeah. know a movie about two uh, t- older teenagers, with one of whom they don't really ever label them. So let me not label them. But but one of the things I like about that movie is that they're the kids are kind of unpleasant sometimes. <laughs> like yeah, when you have mental illness. I mean, also when you don't have mental illness. But you know, it you know, they're well, human and- beings, and human beings are unpleasant sometimes, regardless of whether they have mental illness right,
0: or not. And I used but to definitely,
1: not- Nell is being. In in her own efforts to grapple with with the horrors of what she's been through, along with whatever is going on in her brain, like she does some really unpleasant things.
0: Right. Well, to the to the little girl, and it's like she's yeah. probably traumatized the little girl, which is awful. But yeah, you, she, it's not it's not per, like it's not portrayed like any of that's good. It's more portrayed like this is just a tragic situation. Like yeah, there's a humanity of like Nell's just a person who's had this happen. I wonder if you know sometimes. When, when a mentally unstable person is a villain in a movie for a while and, and any, there's all, there's numbers of tropes, but I think of like the, the trans killer or whatever. And that's like a mentally yeah. unstable person, which is very problematic. Right. Um, or like somebody who's ugly and, you know, right. and it's like, it, I wonder if there's more humanity because Marilyn is beautiful. I don't know. It kind of, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it kind of works E- even but it's if interesting that is why you look at but... marilyn
1: monroe's own history there's every chance that she i mean it's we're, we're all pretty certain that she was abused at some point yeah she didn't have a dad she she definitely grew up kind of in a, a you know being raised by a motley group of people and getting married and well, yeah she went into the... when she didn't want to and and none of you know
0: her own mother went into an institution and then she was in the foster system. So she might. Right. Even have... And
1: then eventually she overdosed on pills and died. And that's not the sign of someone who's, who's doing well. And so it's yeah. interesting that she has this early career part that. Yeah. It such was a... an
0: intention. We should say it was, it seems to have been an intentional overdose. <laughs> If you I, can unintentionally overdose on pills, and that was person, it
1: intentional. I thought she it was unintentional.
0: I guess I thought it was intentional. Maybe I'm wrong, though.
1: Who knows? But Who knows? I, I, we'll, we we'll we figure out. L- later. We didn't re-listen to that episode. No, I we'll think re-listen. It was, we'll uh, find out. Uh, unintentional. Oh, there um, you go. But, but I mean, you know, we talked about how all about Eve mirrors her kind of career drive in an interesting way, and, yeah. and I hadn't thought about it until, until now. But Don't bother to knock kind of mirrors the, the the tragic aspect of her you know in a yeah.
0: way <laughs> well and and I need to bring this up now because we're sort of talking about how you know Marilyn Monroe may have even been pulling on her own knowledge of her mother and some of the mm-hmm. situations she's been in with people you know mm-hmm. in her early life based on what we know from you must remember this and general mm-hmm. knowledge but we watched a movie a while ago called David Holtzman's Diary which is available you know which we have on YouTube here we talked about it and I thought David Holtzman's diary was a really, a movie that was almost more relevant now than when it was made. Mm-hmm. Really, I think "Don't Bother to Knock" might be more of a movie for today's world than the world it was made in. Because yeah. really, with our focus on mental illness issues, and you know, you know, it's never specific what is wrong with Monroe, and she may. You could probably talk to a, I, I don't know who a, somebody who knows about mental illness, and she, they would be like, "Well, this isn't really how it would work." But you know she the trauma was triggered by the death of someone she loved and then she mm-hmm. was in an institution and never quite got better. And you know it, it's it's just so modern in that way where it because of how because of how I mean I hate to say this really, but because of how humane and like like there's an honesty to her and how she's acting and like an honesty to how the other characters are trying to figure out what's going on that just isn't always present in movies about mental illness, right from an era prior to 2010s, even, I would say, you know, it it really depends, like, you know, and there's nothing wrong, because sometimes, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having some of these movies that might be problematic. It's just that this movie, Don't Bother Knock, really doesn't feel like there's a trope in it that, like, went on to the future. Like, this isn't a part of a trope, and there's no tropes from this movie that went on into the future. So,
1: no I mean that there is the deranged killer lady movies you know that that are much more horror films than yeah. this is so
0: yeah well and I, my last point, since I think we're wrapping up is that I was talking earlier about how there's these hotel room movies I think this movie is kind of a good movie maybe partially unintentionally like Marilyn Monroe is really good in it the dialogue is mostly good the situation is mostly good again as you say there's all these characters and that makes it feel bigger but like it really works that it's a one room movie because it's the whole point is it's kind of Mar- all, we're all in Marilyn's yeah. head and like how she's yeah. behaving. So yeah. unintentionally by it being one of these look kind of probably low budget or at least made for less money noir movies really helps it. And then oh, what was the other piece I was going to, I was going to cover. There's another aspect that I thought really worked for it. That really makes it work in this realm. I can't remember what it was, but like, there's, I think it's this weird, oh, oh, Marilyn Monroe has like her persona that she was cultivating, I think, is like, mm-hmm. she's just like innocence. And you know, she's mm-hmm. innocent. But like, mm-hmm. and I was gonna, I forgot to say it earlier, but she's kind of sexual without knowing it. It's mm-hmm. like, that's what turns some men on, I guess, at least in this era, and probably today, like, it's that like, you're sexual but you don't know that you're sexual kind of like you're there's it's you know without meaning to be and Mm -hmm. like there's an aspect of that to Monroe's character where she's like she's innocent she's kind of girly but like she's still an adult Mm -hmm. and there's something sort of and like the weird way that the romance is kind of tied in with her you know how she loved this man and he died so like and because of how she behaves and her voice and her character that also really lends itself to this story so I feel like it's an interesting story anyways but it's one of these convergences of like just enough things are going right and they're sort of all clicking in this movie
1: (laughs) i was gonna say my last two things is once i did babysit in a hotel room like that once i think it was a much younger child and it was like the friend of a friend thing it's interesting how you do get those kind of jobs i also babysat once during a wedding i was part of like everyone dumped their kids and i barely in both of those cases, I barely did anything and I did not change into anyone else's clothes <laughs> and spill perfume everywhere. But That's it fun. is kind of a, an, a strange, isolating experience at the same time. So I, I there's some sympathy there. The other thing is, I didn't know that <laughs> to, to pull away from Marilyn for a minute. There's something to me intensely satisfying about seeing a man think that he's just going to have some good time with some pretty fun chick. And then like, <laughs> If we're going to be deeply cynical, like uh, realize that she is a person.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> and of course, she's not your 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 average person because she's someone who's who's suffering in a way that most people don't suffer, but but a fair number of people do suffer from. But there there is there's something about that seeing that experience depicted and seeing it depicted to where he realizes that like, you know, she is a person and deserve sympathy that like yes is satisfying
0: <laughs> oh yeah totally i should you're also you're totally right about all of this there is one that did however remind me my one critique of this movie is the last like probably the last like yeah 30 to 90 seconds of the movie i just like blew a raspberry at the screen
1: <laughs> yeah but that's like the end of psycho psycho yeah, it's, too, where it's, it's like, fine. and by it's, the way like <laughs>
0: It's fine. It doesn't ruin the movie. It's just like, oh, right, this is from 1952 or whatever. You yeah. Know? Um, quick pause before we go on to the next movie because I need to plug my computer in. <laughs> go for it. Okay, and we're back. Um, just didn't want my computer to die in the middle of this. So we're sorry, now going to move...
1: Yeah, time to talk about something completely different.
0: And now for something completely different. Uh, so we were just talking about Marilyn Monroe movies, and now we're going to talk about Crimson Peak from 2015. Uh, Sarah, you get to describe this one.
1: Um, Mia Wachowski, and I forgot to pull I think it's
0: Wasikowski, up. but... Wasikowski? Yeah. It's hard to yeah. pronounce.
1: Yeah. Um, plays Edith Cushing, a young woman who marries tom hiddleston because wouldn't we all and gets taken back to his creepy creepy manner and finds out the secret behind crimson peak Um, it is a very gothic story spoilers because we always spoil things yeah i showed this or had theo watch this because i grew up reading gothic romances in the 70s which is a terrible time for romances because that rape romance was a thing of the 70s as well Uh, um gothic romances were a little less problematic but they always featured young, innocent women going to creepy manners and finding out the secret behind um, what was really going on there. And that is what this movie is.
0: Yes, uh, this and this and okay. They're, they're, the one thing you haven't mentioned is Tom Hiddleston's character's sister is. Na- I think it's his character's name is Thomas Sharp, and his sister is played by Jessica Chastain, and, and her name
1: La- Lady Lucille
0: lucille sharp
1: yes uh
0: the the other impetus you did not say this so i'm going to bring it up i had sarah watch the vampire lovers which i build as gothic and it is gothic it's gothic in like setting specifically a little bit of the tone a little bit of the atmosphere a little bit of the characters but also it's from the 70s and so Women show off their breasts and like it isn't really gothic in terms of like story at all. So well, and
1: here's what's you know I was just starting to watch the Red Letter Media Group talk about um, uh, the Haunting of Fly House or whatever that is, which is the Fly Manor. Fly Manor, which is this that I'm uh, uh, not not really a sequel, but from the people who did Haunting of Hill House, yeah. and they called it gothic. And um, I think what the vampire lovers was missing, because not all gothics are romances, right. but what vampire lovers was missing to me was mystery. There was no mystery yes, to <laughs> is... vampire lovers.
0: There is. And, a, is and, like and even... I think...
1: Blah, the blah. I think, blah, blah, blah. the gothic... vampire lovers
0: also has like just a like a teaspoon of thriller in it, and that's it. It's <laughs> yeah. it's also missing the thriller aspect, which often goes with gothic. But I'm not always. I don't think.
1: Right. I, I think gothic is often a mix, mix 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 of horror and mystery, and then gothic romance. Obviously, you then add romance to the entire thing. Um. So yeah. Uh, yeah. But I get the feeling. You know, I didn't. <sighs> I hadn't I saw this like some not in the theater um, a few years ago and it stuck with me and I rewatched it because I made you watch it and it's yeah it's it's you know
0: it's it's from our favorite director Guillermo del Toro yeah the sarcasm in my voice or the no I mean I like
1: there are things I like a lot about Guillermo del Toro
0: I'm mostly just joking and Guillermo del Toro is a fine and great director and (laughs) Many people love him. I'm just joking because the most recent movie I think I've seen of his was The Shape of Water, which did not work for me.
1: No, me neither. And and I think he has reoccurring problems that you can see in Crimson Peak. Pretty. I have things to
0: say about him later, but and not. (laughs) not, I say that like I'm going to talk it down to him or something. Say things about him. him. This is all sounded too negative. Guillermo del Toro seems like a wonderful man. Like literally, I I mean that he seems like
1: Lakma of all his stuff. He, I, he, I think he, I'd love to have a beer with him.
0: Oh my God, I'd love to know Guillermo del Toro. I don't love his movies. I'm sorry, Guillermo, but he sounds like a wonderful man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, where were we going with all of this?
0: Here's my, here's my question to you, Sarah. Talk to me about why you like Crimson Peak.
1: Okay, so it's not the dialogue and it's not the story. The <laughs> visuals are great. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is really good at visuals and true. The, the blood mud that seeps up from the cracks, the, the manor that has like just a whole, it's not realistic, but it, no. is, it is like over the top. And I don't mind that it's over the top. Yeah. Um, I also like that I've been thinking about this since I was rewatching this. Guillermo del Toro is someone who can show you the monster and it's fine. Yeah. because in most movies you see the monster and you're like i don't care i'm really sick of flower faced vagina teeth monsters i've seen them <laughs> i've seen them so many times and they're not scary they are not scary to me no. so but Guillermo del toro does great monsters and so you have these ghosts yeah. like he full-on shows you the ghost there's a little jump scariness to it that i, I could do without but the horror isn't the monster the horror is that that's her mother (laughs) and her mother looks like that now and the horror is that those are the dead wives and that's how they look so it doesn't really get that that part right see them because this the the, the visually yeah they're they're gross and weird but that's not the really horrifying thing the really horrifying thing is that these used to be people and these used to be lovely i don't know if we said it
0: we're spoiling crimson peak i forgot if we said i did say it okay good
1: um so that worked for me and i i the, i like that guillermo del toro's visuals are are at a you know at 11 out of 10 every time like and and i think that the gothic genre is a great place to go to 11. like it's just you know gothic architecture is kind of over over ornate right like it's right. got lots of stuff on it and so for that like you know Guillermo del Toro is not going to do 2001 he's not going to do like a a, a, he's not going to do Kurosawa style visuals so I think that works really well right I don't know if you want me to go into what I don't think
0: well the the story I think I know you don't love the story but you haven't talked about the story yet and I would think the story for this is fairly gothic
1: the story is very gothic and I like it I like that um Hiddleston's character is so tragic, you know, that that you he does terrible things, but you end up feeling bad for him, but it still doesn't excuse the terrible things. And so when, again, spoilers, he he dies at the end, it's kind of like, you know, it, it would have been hard for him to keep going anyway, <laughs> like because he he had an incestuous relationship and um, yeah, and murdered previous wives. And was really under the thumb of his sister. I like that yes. dynamic. The problem with almost all Guillermo del Toro movies is the scripts are never <laughs> very good. I don't think. I think Pan's Labyrinth, that you know, I I'd struggled with uh, Crimson Peak.
0: That's funny. Pan's Labyrinth, Labyrinth is the water. one that I like. I haven't watched it in a while, but Pan's Labyrinth is the one that I like the most out of like
1: Devil's Backbone is my favorite, and that's I like haven't seen way that. Way back, <laughs> yeah, and it's just the the i love going over the top with the visuals but he has his characters and the dialogue have this bluntness and he has it in shape of water too and i don't remember pans labyrinth well enough but it's like you have a scene where you know um her father's you know going to confront tom hiddleston over um the fact that he's clearly just there to to marry her and take her money and it is just dumb the way it is done and it is just like hey you're here to do this and tom Hiddleston is like no i'm not and and that's kind of it like there just so many there there are a few better written scenes but a lot of them are like you know just on the nose, nothing subtle. And, and it's fine for the visuals to be unsubtle, but like it, it's just characters like. It's,
0: so I have a theory about Del Toro, which is gonna lead me into a point I'm gonna make about this compared to the vampire lovers. So, so follow me on this. So Guillermo Del Toro, you you love B-movies. I like B-movies, love them, mm-hmm. depends on the thing. I mean, we both like off the beaten path movies. Right. Fimo del Toro is somebody who lucked out for whatever reason and not lucked. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, he's skillful too, but like it takes yeah. luck on top of skill to get where he is in Hollywood. I think just for anybody. <laughs> and he is a B-movie director who makes big budget Hollywood movies. Yes. And that is not a thing that a lot of people do. Like, it, there yeah. just aren't many of those directors out there. I agree.
1: And I think you got All the to power 100%. to
0: him. Yeah, all the power to him for doing it, because it does lead to movies like Crimson Peak, where, man, those that house with the hole and the mud, as you say, and the the moths that are on the walls everywhere... Yeah. And like the hallway and the really neat ghost monsters. I really wish we monsters. spent more
1: time. I wish we got into the manor faster. I, like, we yeah, spent, it's like we spent so much time setting up their relationship, but it was also dumb and pointless in a way. It's just like she's going to end up with him. Like, it's like yeah. what, what about that? Get to that manor faster and then draw the horror of like the fact that she's being drugged and doesn't know what's going on and her husband's not having sex with her. Yeah,
0: and he Uh, has a really, on top of like really interesting visuals, like it's really that he has great, like he knows how he wants to frame the shot. Like, I don't know that his framing is super unique, but mm-hmm. he knows he it's there's a love to how he frames things, I think, like mm-hmm. even in The Shape of Water, which I'm not I mean, I don't love that movie, but man, it looks pretty. And I also yeah. in that movie, you get to see the monster a lot and it looks really cool. Yeah, like there, like he has such a distinct visual style. It, I wouldn't necessarily call it unique. Like, I don't think what he's doing is like he's not. I don't know who I mean it's not something where it's like oh my god I've never seen this before it's like oh no this is gothic he knows exactly what he's doing and this is a version of gothic done just so well yeah and like that is really cool but then you were talking about how in the vampire lovers there's no mystery yeah and in crimson peak I think what sets it apart mildly but then I'm going to say doesn't exactly is that it pretends there's a mystery to what's happening (laughs) like like as if we don't know in the audience now everybody picks up on things at their own speed and that is fine and at the beginning of the movie it's not like I know oh my god I know exactly what they're gonna say and do in each sense in each scene but like Tom Hiddleston shows up and Lucille you know Jessica Chastain is there and like somewhere a couple scenes in I'm like You know, at first I'm thinking like, oh, so he's the bad guy, but he's probably going to turn good because he actually loves her in the end or something. Who knows? That was one guess. And that turned out to be what it was. And then I'm also like, oh, is this an incest story? And yeah, it's an incest story. No. So Like the vampire lovers doesn't pretend it has any mystery and then doesn't have any mystery, which might be a worse sin for you, I think. Right. Whereas- and I, I, I ultimately like Crimson Peak probably more than Vampire Lovers. I mean, not that it really matters, just just right. as like a thing. Whereas Crimson Peak pretends that it's a mystery and it isn't exactly, but it definitely has like better pacing and better tension.
1: No, and I think it would have been a better myth. And that's where if they cut a bunch of the beginning where you just know too yeah. much about what's going on and put that later. But it yeah. is a mystery to... Um, the Edith Cushing character. She doesn't know what's really going on. This is so, true, that's true. And and I enjoyed watching her put together the clues. And I even thought some of the silly bits like that they have like some kind of recording phonograph, like that made me right. feel like I was watching Bioshock or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, w-
0: I was watching that and I'm like, this doesn't make logic. Like there was a certain part <laughs> where like, she also just leaves that. And like, there's all these parts where I'm like, I don't think logically this all makes sense. But the story, I mean, it is, again, the visuals are dialed to 11. So when you dial your visuals to 11 and it's yeah. stylized like that, you're allowed to do things and, that's and it where, not break the movie.
1: <laughs> that's where, and that's where I, I totally agree with you about B movie director, because I was watching this. and I'm like, who's the audience for this? Like, cause in theory, I'm the audience for this. Cause I'm so excited that like, here is a Gothic story on screen. Yeah. But like it the, it, it makes me think of um, even the, the Dawn of the Dead remake where it's like, but this is not the dialogue for that kind of a movie. Like you, you go really. big with the visuals, with the atmosphere, with the characters, and then you go subtle with the dialogue in the story, or at least not even subtle, like subtler, like just like, make, like you said, make it more of a mystery, make it- Or you
0: stylize the dialogue but, a certain way. And in, right. instead but the like, dialogue know... is just kind of like, hey, hey where's the- your nose? Knock. <laughs>
1: I love that Edith was just haunted by her dead mother. And that yeah. and there was no mystery there. But that's what I that's a place where I liked that it. it was just like, oh she, ghosts following her. Like that sucks. That yeah, really yeah. sucks.
0: This is interesting because like you you point out that I like pretty movies all the time, like Kurosawa mm-hmm. movies. And I like this movie because it's really pretty too. But in this case, you also like it because it's really pretty. It's your kind of pretty movie. There's yeah. lots of color, there's lots of interesting design. Yeah. And so I think. I'm you know I you probably enjoyed it more than me though I mean I think we both agree that it's a, a troubled but interesting movie yeah but it's not interesting because it's not really interesting because the story is interesting I don't know I and it's it's not without character it's just but the, like the, the story characters is like
1: such a like a cut out like pain by numbers story too it's right it's, it's at 11 but it's at 11 of what we like Oh, the doctor, like in these gothic romances from the seventies, you know, the doctor was always the good guy. And poor, and poor he's Charlie Hunnam,
0: here. poor Charlie Hunnam <laughs> gets nothing to do in this movie. No. We talk about poorly written women women characters. <laughs> like the two women in this movie are the most interesting characters, and Charlie Hunnam, who plays the doctor, is just your he's vanilla white man.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's but that's just what nobody. that that's what that character was in those books, and I mean. Yeah. On one hand, like, are you counting on an audience of the women who liked the books in the '70s that they, you know, read in the '80s and '90s? Like, but on the other hand, like, but who else? Like, who do you think is coming to this? Otherwise,
0: (laughs) like, well, and really, I mean, really, it's like when they made
1: what was it, Tintin or Rintin, or I forget that. I don't
0: remember that this movie did that well in the box office. In fact, I'm gonna look that up. But also, Guillermo del Toro has a built-in audience for people that are probably like totally forty down to like twenty right now i it does I'd say make me like, think of
1: tin tin where it's like like who's the audience <laughs> like,
0: i you know i don't know I, let's see what did this do but here it 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 budget was probably 55 million and the box office was 75 million so that's that's not a flop but it's not yeah. really a, a successful yeah. movie like that's a and like i think there was you know people like what is it? and yeah yeah, that's that's like an okay thing. And then you make money off of the, the lifeline of the, the, the longevity of the movie. So that's like a shrug for the box office. So it didn't even really do that well, necessarily. So you're yeah. right, it may have even had a problem with, with its audience.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's just it's such a unique little, you know, mess of a movie that I, I don't see myself watching it again anytime soon. But I wouldn't rule out because if I'm in the mood for that kind of a movie, what are my options? I mean, I guess I need to look more at Hammer Films and see if they made anything else. But yeah. I'm not as into the 70s aesthetic the, that way, No, and th- that's that
0: the problem is, is those movies are like stage movies. And I enjoy the camp that I don't think you do.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't I, like I can- the- stagey look of them and let you know it's what did we watch the an actor's revenge like that was all on a stage but they made it look really cool yeah like hammer
0: hammer the cinematography doesn't work as well like as the cinematography in crimson peak or something else it takes away from the atmosphere because everything
1: looks so crisp and like it's on a stage and it's been manufactured and that takes away from the creepy dark weirdness that you get with like
0: Right. And I said Hammer Films, but I meant the Vampire Lovers because I don't know Hammer Films that well. Yeah. It may be different for the other films. But, but I, going back to sort of bringing this around a little bit, I think the like the Vampire Lovers never is a mystery and it doesn't pretend it is. And that maybe, again, worked a little right. better for me than for you. And again, Crimson Peak still has way more interesting visuals just in concept alone. Right. But like I like the campy aspect of Vampire Lovers, but I'd be curious if there weren't better versions of that in that era. Because there really aren't a lot of movies nowadays where, like, you get that kind of gothic going now That's that why
1: way. I really like the K drama. It's okay to not be okay because <laughs> right. it also leaned into that gothicness, and you just don't see it as much. So,
0: yeah, I, I ultimately this this is another movie, and this is a movie weirdly that I would be more willing to recommend to people than you know even you know I was I'm just thinking because I, I was. It was a part of what I was talking about with Asphalt Jungle. Like, weirdly, even though I don't think Crimson Peak is a great movie, I kind of give it like, ah, I enjoyed it. You know, shrug. You know, I'd be more willing to recommend it to people because the visuals are so interesting, or the design and the visuals are so fun to look at. They might be a little overdone in places in some of the effects, even though the design, like the design of the ghost monster, is really neat. Even though it just looks like rubber in a few scenes, and I don't enjoy that but otherwise mm-hmm. like the tooth and the red clay that's like covering yeah. some of the other ghost monsters is really neat. So yeah. anyways, yeah, you know.
1: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it somewhat. Cause it, that was not one I recommended to you because I thought you would like it necessarily. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, No, I, I, I do not think you'd why, hate yeah. it either, you know, it's not. No,
0: like... no, it was, I enjoyed it, it was, it was interesting. All right, so let's, uh, let's do our wrap up here and move on with our days. Uh,
1: yeah, although we were recording late in the day, so...
0: Yeah, I have two different. movies to talk about, so why don't I just get those out of the Go way? Go for it,
1: because I need to pull up what I watched.
0: So I watched 9 to 5, which you also watched. Mm-hmm. Um, it was our Monday movie with the the family over Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. And weirdly, the main star of The Asphalt Jungle, which is... Now, we watched this before I watched Asphalt Jungle and before you asked, watched Asphalt Jungle... Um, mm-hmm. was Sterling Hayden and Sterling Hayden shows up at the end of nine to five, uh, which is hilarious. I mean, right. they're, they are, I think, uh, let's see, almost 40 years apart. <laughs> so just kind of an amusing little, little connection there. Uh, nine to five was pretty fun. It, there's a, the later half, the later half of the second act, I think lost me a little where it kind of becomes this power montage about like women running the office yeah i mean there's there's more to i mean there's a lot more to it like that's the part that lost me but for the most part like it's a pretty fun movie like it's a pretty good movie it's i don't know that i i loved it but it's it's like we watched baby boom which comes out in a similar era you know it's a similar era like women empowerment women in the workforce movie and it's not as interesting or as good to me not uninteresting just kind of has some heart kind of loses me in places. Whereas nine to five is just, it's interesting to see this kind of silly plot unfold, but it's kind of about something a little deeper than that. Maybe not, maybe a little on the nose in places, maybe a little silly in places, but with some really solid acting and some really, you know, fun situations. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I enjoyed nine to five. And then I also watched King Kong versus Godzilla. Not whatever that new one is, I don't know the exact title of that one, but from the one from 1963, Mm -hmm. uh, which was all kinds of silly. um, (laughs) You
1: sent me screenshots, which were pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I felt like there was so there's there's, you know, in the first Godzilla movie, the original, like they go through great pains to like make Godzilla look like a monster, like the don't show your monster thing and make it look big. And like there's toy chains in it, but like they do a good job of filming it. And in King Kong versus Godzilla, who cares? It's a cute little <laughs> tank running around, and me and Jill were just like, "Oh, you're so cute!" And oh no, he's going to step on the tank. <laughs> just that kind of silliness. And um, I, there's there's even m- mild spoilers here. There's even a section where they uh, strap some balloons to uh, the man who is in the King Kong Godzilla suit. I mean, or the King Kong suit. And I mean, it's King Kong and they put these balloons on him and they float him over to where Godzilla is. <laughs> I sent a picture to Sarah of that because I'm like, you know what? This is what's <laughs> happening in this movie. It's not, I like the original better because it's more earnest, but it's it wasn't like the second one. I The second one that came out in between these two was just really boring and just like nothing yeah. happens in it. But this one, like it's just kooky and silly and like Godzilla drop kicks King Kong at a certain point. And it's just guys in suits, yeah. and who cares? We're filming them in bright daylight, <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it was fun. It was fun and silly. And those are the only things I watched this this week, other than what we did for, um, what we've already talked about.
1: So I also watched Nine to Five because so I watched it with you, and I pretty much agree with your assessment. I enjoyed Dolly Parton a lot, and I she was not, pretty good. I'm not as familiar with her. For everything I hear, she sounds awesome. Just had not had any reason to look into her be any part of her life uh, but i enjoyed her in nine to five and of course i also enjoyed um jane fonda and why am i blanking
0: diane keaton
1: diane keaton is not in
0: nine to five no um <laughs> oh, shoot just... lily lily tomlin there we go I was thinking um, of work, with Working First Wives Club or something, yeah. which is a different movie, but has a similar sort of thing going on.
1: And so I'm still watching the K-drama family dramas, which is interesting because they, as I think I explained before, they're they're like soap operas meets sitcoms, kind of. I don't like comparing directly, but it's funny because I talk, so they're like 63 episodes, which is a lot. That would be like four or five seasons of... Um, like something on Netflix at this point, but something on Netflix would be shot over four or five years, you know, or more. These, they would, like, I'm, I'm so curious about the production time on these things because I think I was telling you, I don't think I talked about this a lot. You just see people make mistakes and they just keep going. And they're not yeah. huge mistakes, but you have to imagine the turnaround time on it. And it makes me think of how I like low budget horror because you know they've got sticks and dirt and they're gonna make it scary somehow you know right and this is like we've got a set and we've got actors and we're just you know you shoot and go and a lot of it's on the actors and it makes me realize how much i like just acting and characters you know which i already knew yeah but the one i'm watching is funny because the 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 parents at the center of it all are literally the exact same actors as in another one i'm watching like it's like there has to be something comforting about like well uh, and this one lady i love her i'm gonna pull her name up because um i like her so much and she's been in some um some korean um movies so you may have seen her her name is Kim Hai mm-hmm. Suk. Kim Hai Suk. And I have seen her now in three or three K-dramas. And she either owns a restaurant, her husband owns a restaurant, or she's a famous cook. <laughs> that is that is the character that she plays. Um, but she's a really good actress, and I really enjoy her. <laughs>
0: Interesting.
1: But it's also the one I'm watching has one of the only gay Love lines, as they call them, um, in these family dramas, like everybody's either married or getting married or getting into a relationship. Like the uncle is getting a relationship. Everyone's it's that's what these are about. Right. Um, there, there's like I've only watched like three, but all three have had someone getting pregnant <laughs> in it. All three have had someone moves into the house in them. Like it's interesting. The tropes are different than the 16-hour. It's fun to see kind of the, the tropes of one genre versus another kind of a right. thing. Um, but yeah, so it has a gay love line and it's interesting because they are not allowed to kiss. You can see South Korea's conservative, no one's kissing. Ooh. It's a 10 year old drama and seeing huh. how, and it's, it's very sympathetic and, and the, the lover who is not part of the family, the main family, he, he's fully fleshed out. He, he has his <laughs> own drama happening you follow him through this drama even though he's not with any of the and and that's not that's pretty standard for for these shows where you do follow the other person because because they're 63 episodes long and you gotta fill that air with something
0: <laughs> so they're just
1: you know I, I was joking to Kirby the other day that like when people start imagining their alternate lives, you just know they're like, How do I stretch this out further? I'm gonna have fantasy sequences. <laughs> like it's just yeah. like But so it's it's not abnormal to follow these these people who are marrying into the family, but that they gave a gay love line the same respect, like it actually surprised me a little bit. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's interesting and I've been enjoying it and I've been enjoying like cataloging the new tropes. Like, oh, (laughs) we're no longer following people who met as children in traumatic situations. Now we've got people moving in. We've got, oh, and the other silly thing this show does is at the end of every episode, someone falls down somehow. every single episode and sometimes it's relevant to the plot and sometimes it just happens and we don't and it it makes me think of the red letter media guys destroying a tape at the end you know where you can tell even they are kind of like bored and don't know what to do occasionally and then they get re-inspired but like sometimes you're just like what are you what are you gonna do to make this fall happen yeah and like one of them ends with a child falling and crying (laughs) it's just it's fun So anyway, so I've been enjoying that and they're also like you wander off during a character who you're not interested in drama and you come back and so on. So anyway, I've been quite enjoying that and I haven't, I still, there's 63 episodes I got. Oh, and you watch the seasons change. Like the one I'm watching is on Jeju Island, which is basically Hawaii of of, uh, South Korea, not North Korea, South Korea. And, you know, you see that it's like foggy and windy and you're like, again, with the production, like, They just had to shoot on that. Like, what are they going to do? Come back a week later. You don't have that kind of schedule, but watching these shows, it's interesting because with the 16 episode ones, it's, you can tell it's a summer one or it's a winter one, but with these, you actually see the seasons change as they are (laughs) recording it because. Yeah. Again, they're not, they, they aren't doing this over years. They're doing this over nine months or something like that. So.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's interesting.
1: So, you know, it's, It's interesting, um, you know, we were just talking about Marilyn Monroe and, like, her persona and all this this off-screen stuff that kind of affects how you view it. Like, for me, there's definitely, like, all this, like just I, thinking I, about everything that goes into making it. The actually, machinations kind of. of it. Yeah. yeah, but then I'm also enjoying the shows themselves. Some of them are better than others, for sure. And sometimes to get that, to keep making those episodes, they it's just like of, stretch it out, stretch it out. But.
0: Mm. Oh, I should mention, I also didn't mention, I'm still watching Stargate and a little bit of The Amazing Race. The Amazing Race is some vicarious traveling I'm doing because
1: yeah.
0: pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a game and traveling. And then Stargate. Actually, I'm on season five, I think, which has the other guys episode, which is pretty fun. Where uh, uh, got...
1: Stargate Atlantis, right?
0: No, start. Well, I'm doing both. Okay. Stargate SG one and Stargate Atlantis. I've never seen Atlantis, which I'm watching, okay. which I've been watching through. And um, I think I'm nearing the end of season three. And the writing is just not very good to me on Stargate Atlantis. That's the biggest problem with the show. Yeah. Um, and then. The other guy is in SG-1, which is fun because I think uh, the doctor character on an Enterprise from Star Trek shows up and there's a number of Star Trek jokes during the episode and he was filming Enterprise at the time that this episode would have been coming out. So it's just pretty silly. And it's, the not, it's one of the few episodes where the main characters aren't exactly SG-1. Anyways, um, and... Uh, which you only caught because of me. Joe would like it to be known. My girlfriend would like it to be known that the only reason I noticed is because of her and she's right. I didn't notice it. It was her who picked it up, um, but that was fun. And yeah, there's some other good episodes from the season and, and Tony Amendola always sh- it can, whenever he shows up at Bray Tech, I'm like, yeah, Bray Tech, Tony, Tony Amendola. Anyways uh what are we watching um oh i haven't given you the movie that i want you to watch yet
1: did you mentioned a robert mitchum noir but i don't know if that's the actual one you want me to watch
0: that's going to be the next one this one is going to be mildred pierce <laughs> um, i've seen
1: mildred pierce
0: oh you've seen mildred pierce
1: i have seen well, mildred pierce do you like I, Mildred Pierce? i could re-watch it if you really want no, no, I, I don't I think just, i've th- seen it since my late teens but
0: I mean, it would either be Mildred Pierce I've or I've also out of the read past. the
1: book. So
0: let's do Out of the Past instead.
1: Out of <laughs> okay. the Past
0: it is. <laughs> um, you,
1: now you feel like you're competing. I'm like, well, I've seen it. I've read the book. Yeah. I watched part of the Kate Winslet, but I didn't I just, get it. I just, I like ever. Mildred
0: Pierce and it's going to leave the criterion, I think, at the end of the month. So I have to watch it before it's it goes. Good. But it's, yeah, good. it's good. Watch Out of the Past. There's, I don't remember it super well, but I, and I don't remember how well or not the depiction of women is in it is, but. You like Robert Mitchum, so I'm pretty sure that'll work. And there's at least mm-hmm. one scene that I think you will appreciate as being pretty ridiculous for what it is. Yeah. But but otherwise, I think it's a good movie. So let's see what happens. Yeah. What are we watching next for Marilyn Monroe? Do you? I, we're, I, I think
1: we're, we're hitting we're hitting her big years. We're doing um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Um, right. <laughs> Monkey Business, which Karina Longworth doesn't say anything about. So I don't know what to feel about it. Uh, and how to marry a millionaire and seven-year itch i don't think we're necessarily watching all of those but
0: yeah well that should be interesting are you doing anything else outside of that or you think you're just i mean these shows
1: are 63 episodes and they don't watch themselves so
0: (laughs) there you go i'm probably going to be watching some other stuff with any luck i'll watch i don't know some of the stuff leaving the criterion or maybe a godzilla Mm -hmm. movie or who knows what i don't know we'll find out i i want to watch some more godzilla movies and Um, There was something on, there was some Criterion stuff that looked cool. I'll probably watch Out of the Past with you because I haven't seen it in a while. So yeah, I don't have any big things I'm watching this week. Anyways, I think it's time to go. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.